Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. That is so good. That is so cool to hear them. And are they in here right now? They're in the, maybe in the 11. Yeah, maybe in the 11. Sometimes they're in 830, sometimes they're in 11. So just faithful members for many years. Praise the Lord for them. Um, so many more like them. And you're going to see more videos like this. We just want to continue to remind you of not only our legacy of where we've been, but where we're going. This is a very exciting day for us for a lot of reasons. At the end of the service, you're going to, you're going to see people that are new to our, our congregation. I'm going to introduce you to some new members. There's a whole membership process that they've gone through that I'll talk about again. I'm going to commission a team that's going to be going to Guatemala over spring break. Very exciting. And then uh, another bit of exciting news, that the finance team over the last several weeks has been looking at our numbers with our uh, legacy project and tithes and offerings and budget and really have just gone through almost line by line. They spent about three weeks really pouring over and looking at the numbers to make sure that all the numbers work out and they do and we're very excited and so we are going to officially say, assuming things go according to plan, you know things always change, we hope they don't change a lot, that early part of the summer, we're hoping sometime in June, we'll break ground for our new building. We'll start working out here and start working in the children's department, which is very exciting for our church, but it also means that a lot of change is coming. So I want to go ahead and prepare you for something. I want to uh, just kind of prepare your hearts. Bring the house lights up just a little bit so I can look into their eyes. I want to see their eyes for a second. They need to hear this. There we are. There you are. So this is really cool what's happening in our church and the growth and, and this service is always full and there are people in the back row and people in the, in the little uh, over, overflow space. And uh, one of the things that's going to change when we build is we're going to move out of here because all this is kind of going away. They're going to redo all this, build that out there. We can't worship in here for about 10 months. So the exciting part of that is we're going to worship in the fellowship hall, which is going to be cool. It's going to be different. Um, so the first thing I need you to do is kind of prepare your hearts for that, okay? Because it's going to be a little bit different for about 10 months. We hope 10 and maybe 11 or 12, depending on construction time. But the other thing we need to do, now I'm going to, you're, you're going to be shocked, some of y'all, seriously. So I want you to prepare yourself for this. Because we can't seat this many people in the fellowship hall. We just can't. Logistically, we don't have enough space for over 300 people. We're going to do the best we can and cram seats, but there are fire code issues and line of sight issues and where the stage can sit. So I'm going to need, and this is where you can start preparing and praying, I'm going to need about 100 of you guys to change service hours. Yeah. You're waiting for the punchline, aren't you? <laughs> There's no punchline. We're serious. So... So the, 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 you say, well, I'm not going to change services. Well, then you better get there super early because there will not be a seat for you. <laughs> so we're going to do the best we can to get chairs out. And, but I'm serious. It, if a, about 100 people in here would change hours, some go to 8.30, some go to 11, it, it would solve an awful lot of our problems. Be praying about it. Now, here's what, I want you to, here's what I want you to think. Some of you guys are not in a Sunday school now, right? I know that. I know you're not in a Sunday school because I've been tracking you. I've been watching you. <laughs> And because you're not in a Sunday school currently, that gives you a great opportunity. You're not tied to a Sunday school. You can go to either 8.30 or 11. We're going to start. We're already in the works right now to start some new Sunday school classes at this hour. So you can go to the 8.30 service, go to a brand new Sunday school, beat the Methodists at the Golden Corral because you'll be out here by 10.30. Okay? So great opportunities for you to do that. Great opportunity for you to be involved. I, I want you to pray about that because I really need about 100 people to change service hours because I don't have the space for it. It's temporary. It's about 10 months. 
We can do anything for 10 months. I got a feeling you're going to love it so much you're going to get in this new routine. It's going to be the, the way you're going to do it forward. And if we could balance our services, that would really help us with our growth. But just pray about it. I'm not going to force anybody to do it. If you love where you are, stay. We want you, of course. But if, you, if there's some flexibility or maybe the Lord kind of in your heart at this moment is saying, you know, maybe you could change, just pray about it. We've got time to think about it. But I want you to be in prayer about what the Lord could do. If you could change service hours and really help us out with what we're doing and where we're going, it'd be great. The other thing is... There are still families that haven't given. I had an opportunity this week to have some more conversations with people who were saying to me, listen, we haven't given yet, but we're praying about what to give. We want to be part. We're not sure what we're going to do. If you're, if you're in that camp and you haven't given part of this yet, continue to pray about that. The Lord will direct you. I promise you the Lord will bless you and give you direction. And we've done really well with our numbers. We're in a really good space, but we're not to the point yet we can do it debt-free. We want to be if possible. And so if the Lord's calling you to give, we want you to do that. We want you to be a part of this process. When we're said and done with all this, uh, we want to burn that note as quickly as we can and move on and let the Lord do great work. So be praying about that. What service you want to move to, if you want to do that. Giving if you have not already. And we're just going to let the Lord just continue to do great, exciting things at Rosemont. Praise the Lord we're having these discussions, right? Praise the Lord I'm having to say, we don't have space for you. You've got to find another service. That's a good thing. I'm excited to say that to you, and I'm not upset that I have to tell you that at all. I want you to pray about it. Trust the Lord. He's going to do great things in our midst. Okay, let me pray for us now. We're going to jump right in to the text. Father, we thank you for what you're doing here. Lord, we are just overwhelmed by your goodness, by the ways in which you bless us, Father, with all the people that are coming here and the new members and the children and the teams that we send out on a regular basis and all the trips we've got planned this year and the local ministries. Father, you, you are at work at Rosemont. And we praise your name for that. Father, continue to bless us. Continue to use us. Lord, allow us this morning as we open the truth of your word just to speak directly into our hearts. Convict us, challenge us, Father. Mold us and shape us more and more into the image of your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Take your Bibles open Acts 13. Acts 13. We are continuing our study through the book of Acts, the sermon series we've entitled From Ordinary to Extraordinary. We've called it that because we want you to understand the Lord wants to do extraordinary things in your life. God has a plan for you. God wants to do great things. Oftentimes, I think the Christian doesn't necessarily understand or even believe that God can do extraordinary things. Yet we've seen it time and time and time again all through the book of Acts. See, with the apostles, with Peter, with Paul, with the first century believers. Last week in Acts chapter 13, we saw that through the church at Antioch, the Holy Spirit led them, called out Paul and Barnabas, sent them out into the mission field. The church laid hands on them, did great things in their midst. God was honored. God was glorified. Incredible things are happening. But there's this very interesting pattern we're seeing now in the book of Acts. This is one of the reasons I love teaching through books, because we get to see patterns Right, if we just preached this sermon as standalone, we wouldn't see some of these patterns. But one of the patterns we've seen in the book of Acts is this pattern of persecution. Like every time the, the Lord does something incredible, the church seems to be growing. It's almost uncanny how the, the very next chapter or the very next section of Acts is about the enemy now attacking and bringing persecution. We've seen this time and time again. God does something incredible, the enemy attacks. God does something incredible, persecution comes. So we've seen now in Acts chapter 13, God calling these people out, calling this church to send. They've gone out into the world. They're going to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul now is going to travel over Asia Minor over the course of a few years, three missionary journeys. Great things are happening, but in the midst of great 
things happening, you can rest assured the enemy is not going to be happy. The enemy is going to do everything he can to stop and to defeat the believers. And so we're going to look this morning again at an opportunity that the Lord has given these people to trust Him even more. We're going to look at a, a, a situation in Scripture where Paul and Barnabas are confronted with this attack. They're confronted with evil. It's almost as if the enemy is standing in their way again. We're going to see how they respond to that. And we're going to see if we can apply how they responded to our lives as we face challenges as well. So let's jump right in. Acts chapter 13, beginning in verse 4. So being sent out by the Spirit, they, that's Paul and Barnabas, remember we, we studied last week how the Spirit had called them out, church laid hands on them, sent them out, they went down to Seleucia. And from there they sailed to Cyprus, verse 5, when they, arrived, when they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the Word of God. That, that's the calling of Paul in his missionary journey. That, that's, that's his purpose that's his calling. He's going to proclaim the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they had John to assist them. Now verse 5. When they'd gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician. A Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was with the proconsul, which was one of the leaders. Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. Right, So you've got this, you got this, leader, this, this leader, uh, this proconsul, this government official that calls Barnabas and Saul and says, Listen, I want to hear the word of God from you. Now verse 8. But Elamus, the magician, right, that's another name for him, for that's the meaning of his name, opposed them seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Right? You've got this man that wants to hear the word of God. He's called Paul and Barnabas. You've got this magician, this sorcerer, that's now going to actively fight against that. He wants to turn this man away from the faith. He wants to turn him away from the things of the Lord. But Saul, who's also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him. And he said, You son of the devil... You enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? Let's stop there for a few minutes. Let's understand something. This is important. As we seek the Lord, as we trust the Lord, as we try to do extraordinary things for the kingdom of heaven, we need to understand and recognize, this is truth number one, recognize that opposition will come. The question, this is really important, is not if the enemy will attack, but when the enemy will attack. We need to recognize opposition, right? Paul and Barnabas have set out to preach the gospel. They're interested in reaching the world for Christ. They're going to share, they're going to teach, they're going to lead people to salvation in Jesus Christ. And in the midst of the Lord doing some pretty incredible things, the enemy attacks. But I want you to notice what Paul does, because this is really important for our understanding this morning. Verse 9, pull verse 9 up for me if you would again, please. But Paul, right, Saul, Paul, same person, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said... Son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? Here's what Paul does. This is important. He recognizes immediately the attacks of the enemy. Far, far too many believers bury their head in the sand and ignore the fact that the enemy is real, is active, and is seeking to destroy you. 
This is not a joke. This is not a game. This is not some we just saw this and it's fictional. This is actually happening currently in our world. The enemy's trying to destroy us. I'm reminded of 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. I've read this verse many, many times. Speaking to believers, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring, you remember what he says there? Lion, looking for someone to devour. Like Satan's not passive, he's active, and he's like a lion roaring around looking for someone to devour. The, the last time our family and our team, we, we went to Africa a couple years ago to Zambia, and many of you have made this same trip, or maybe you're going to make it in the future. One of the things we do when we finish that trip, because we're in Africa, and because we've got an opportunity, we take a safari. Now, safari in Africa is, is really cool. And the place we go uh, is basically half river. It's on the Choma River. We get on a boat and we drive around basically the morning. And then after we're done, we get off the boat and we get on a big uh, bus, kind of an open air type truck. And we ride around and we look and we saw all sorts of animals. We saw elephants and hippos and giraffes and some zebra and, and all sorts of things. But when we started the safari, we asked the driver, listen, is it possible for us to see any lions? I'd love to see some lions. And he said, well, they're not, they're not a lot of them. They're fairly elusive. Uh, sometimes they hide in behind trees and rocks and cool places. And so we may not see them, but we'll look. And so throughout the course of the afternoon, he's you know, radioing back and forth to the other drivers. And they've got their walkie-talkies. We think we've seen one. And this is a, a massive park. It takes many, many hours to drive all the way through it. So you just can't ride through the whole park. You have to kind of go to certain areas. And he says, you know, there's certain areas we see them sometimes. We'll radio the other drivers and we'll hear and we'll, we'll let you know. And so they kind of get some coordinates and we, we ride. And, and it was fascinating to me how they look because it was something they looked for that I'd never thought of. Or we come to these areas and there'll be just lots and lots of animals and immediately the driver will say something like this, well, there are no, there are no lions here. I mean, well, how do you know? I mean, you can't, there's a lot of animals out here. Maybe the lion's over there somewhere, maybe he's under a tree. He said, no, 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 you don't understand. I know where the lions are based on the reaction of the other animals. Because if you, if you drive up, you see just this herd of gazelle, like hundreds and hundreds, or a kudu, or other animals kind of on the, 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 out in the plains, or up on the kind of the mountain ridge area. When you see those animals, you can tell immediately by their reaction whether or not lions are present. Because if they're relaxed and just kind of eating, you know, and kind of doing their normal thing, there are no lions anywhere nearby. Because if a lion was anywhere close to this area, these animals would be alert, They'd be looking around, they'd be agitated, they'd be moving, their ears would be up, they'd be worried about their young. Why? Because they understand very clearly lions are there for one simple purpose, to kill and eat them. And so they're alerted to their presence, they change their behavior because of the presence of lions. I thought, you know, that's a great, great application and illustration for believers. Because when the enemy is present in our lives, we better be alert. We better be aware. I worry that just far, far too many of us just kind of ignore that. We just kind of set that aside. We're, we're not concerned about the enemy. We're not concerned about sin in our life. We're not concerned about all these things that the devil's going to try to do us. We just kind of walk through life and he attacks us and defeats us oftentimes and we're never quite even certain of where the attacks have come from. It's because the enemy is among us and walking, looking to devour people. And so I, I've given you, I've, I've given a list, or I've got a list. I want to just read them to you. I don't want to mess them up. Some things you ought to be thinking about about how the enemy may attack you and how you could be vulnerable. The enemy wants to steal our time. 
He steals, steals, kills, and destroys. That's what 1 Peter says. The enemy wants to steal our time. He wants us so busy with other things that we neglect our family time together or we neglect church time together. I think that's the problem we have in our society today. And we're, we're so busy, moms and dads, we never have time together at home with just our families. And listen, I'll speak from experience. This is a conversation Amy and I have on a regular basis. When we are at home, we're so busy on our screens or doing our own thing. We may be in the same room, but we're not engaging with each other. That, I'm just telling you, that's the attack of the enemy. When he gets you families separated, he's won. You know what a lion does when he attacks a herd of gazelle? He doesn't try to attack 50 at one time. He finds the weak one and separates them from the herd and attacks and kills that one. When, he, when, when the enemy can separate us and keep us from doing the things he's called us to do, he's won. The enemy wants to... No, I'm, I'm going to step on some toes here. The enemy wants to lure us away from our spouse, men and women, through a co-worker that we find attractive. And we know those stories, don't we? Enemy would like nothing more than to defeat your family through an adulterous affair. Students... The enemy wants to lure us away from honesty and integrity by making us believe that cheating on a test is okay. Well, everybody else is doing it. Doesn't make it right. Boyfriend, girlfriend, the enemy wants to lure us away from purity by tricking us into thinking that sex before marriage is good and normal and there won't be any long-term consequences. There will be. But the enemy's really good at tricking us and lying to us and making us think that all these things are appealing and they're good and all the while he's stalking us, he's trying to defeat us, he's trying to kill us. And so the question is not will the enemy attack, he will. The question is are we ready, have we recognized the opposition, are we preparing our hearts when he does attack. So let's see what Paul and his friends do in verse 11. Let's continue, bring up verse 11, Acts 13, 11. Now Paul is speaking. Now behold, he's speaking to this magician. Behold, he's recognized exactly who this guy is now. He understands clearly. I, I can just I just see it kind of in my mind's eye. Paul's now turning and facing this guy squarely because he's ready. <laughs> he's speaking directly to this guy. Behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you. You will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately, mist and darkness fell upon him. He went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Now the proconsul, right, this is the leader, believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. So we, first of all, need to recognize that the enemy is real. We need to recognize that he's going to attack us in our lives, in our family, in our marriage, in our children. But truth number two, we need to boldly and actively rebuke opposition in the power of the Lord. We need to boldly and actively rebuke opposition in the power of the Lord. Now, I, I want to be clear about this because sometimes I think we, we find ourselves in this position of thinking that the enemy is so powerful that there's nothing we can do to stop him. That's not true. Right? Satan is obviously not as powerful as the Lord. We, we know that. We get that. We've seen that scripturally. So we need to understand when, when we're going to Work, and we're going to understand that the enemy is there, and we're going to recognize his power, and we're, we're going to rebuke him, there's certain things we ought to be doing. If we're going to oppose him, if we're going to try to fight against him, there's certain things we ought to be doing. And so I've got a list for you. Here's, here's some biblical responses to the enemy, 
to the attack of Satan. We're going to put them on the screen very quickly and just run through them. If you believe that the enemy is maybe attacking you now, or you're struggling with something, or there's something you're going through, here's some things you ought to be doing to rebuke opposition. Very simple. We have them on the screen. First thing, be alert and prepared. We've already said that. Open your eyes, folks. It's real. It's real. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12. I love this verse. The, the spiritual armor of God. Ephesians 6 12 says. This is, this is interesting. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Right? And there's more to that verse. I'm going to get to it. But think about it like this. I, I have this tendency sometimes when I, when I get frustrated with somebody. Right? I, I get angry at them or what they did. I've got to be reminded that I'm not really struggling against them. I'm not battling against flesh and blood, back to the verse, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There's a constant spiritual battle going on. We need to be alert and prepared. Second thing is we need to know what to look for. But I'm convinced that far too many believers don't have a firm grasp of God's word. And when you don't have a firm grasp of God's Word, you not only don't know how you ought to live your life, but you also don't know the things you need to be aware of and alert against. Like the Bible gives us, the Bible tells us who the enemy is. The Bible tells us how he acts and how he tries to defeat us. The Bible tells us what sin is and how we need to guard our hearts, right? Sometimes we don't even know what we're looking for. We need to be aware, prepared, alert, understanding what we need to look for. Here's the third thing. We need to rely on the Holy Spirit to guide us. We ought to be relying on the Spirit to guide us in our marriages, in our homes, at school, at work. I'm going to pull this list back up here in just a second. But Wanda, I want you to pull up verse, verse 9 of Acts 13 just very quickly. Right, we're relying on the Holy Spirit, right? Paul, who's also called Saul, right? Look at the second line, the comma. Filled with the third line, what? Holy Spirit. Right, Paul didn't do this in his own power. Paul didn't rebuke this magician in his own power. Paul didn't recognize this in his own power. Paul wasn't doing this because he was smart enough or strong enough or good enough. None of us are. He did it in the power of the Holy Spirit. So if you're really going to resist the devil, if you're really going to actively oppose him, you need to do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, bring that list back up. The next thing you ought to be doing is praying about it. Just be aware. Like, Lord, I feel like there's an attack on my family or I feel like there's an attack at work or I feel like there's something I'm struggling with, Lord, or there's a sin that's tempting me. Pray against that. Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, keep me from sinning in this area. Protect my family in this area. Give me wisdom in this area. Get me out of this situation in this area. Lord, give me the strength to do this. The next thing you ought to be doing is quoting Scripture. One of the things I've tried to do the last couple years with, with memorization of Scripture, you know, it's easy just to memorize random verses, and that's good, and there's some good ones to memorize. But I, but I know, as you do, there are certain things in my life I struggle with more than others, right? I have vices just like you do. There's certain areas of struggle. So what I've started trying to do is find verses that directly speak to that particular struggle, memorize those verses, and when I'm struggling with those things, I recite those verses. Or whatever you're struggling, it's between you and the Lord. But find areas of struggle. Find verses that speak to those struggles. Memorize those and recite that scripture. Quote scripture back to the enemy. When he attacks you, quote scripture back to him. The next thing, confess sin. Right, we, we have this tendency of allowing sin just to kind of go farther and farther and farther and farther. Never confessing it. 
never realizing that it's keeping us from the things. Lord, we, sh- we should be confessing sin on a, a regular basis and asking the Lord to guide us. And then the final thing, very simply, we need to realize that it's the Lord's fight. Right? It's interesting when we think about battling against flesh and blood. We, we think about battling against the principalities of evil as we see in Ephesians right there. You don't have weapons at your disposal that you can actually touch that will defeat the enemy. You can't get a sword, a real sword, or a gun, or a tank, or bazooka, or plane, or whatever you want to use. None of those things work against the enemy. Instead, what we see is when we put on the, the spiritual armor of God, we read in Ephesians just a few minutes ago, when we put on that armor, the Lord does the fighting for us. I'm reminded of Exodus chapter 14. Moses is with the people of Israel. They've come out of Egypt. Uh, they believe the Lord is going to protect them and provide for them. The, the, the kind of they're up against the army of the Egyptians. Listen to the words of Moses in Exodus 14. He says, don't be afraid. He's speaking to the people of Egypt, the people of Israel. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. And then Exodus 14, verse 14, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. What a powerful passage of Scripture. And sometimes we just fight and flail and we want to do and we want to take over and we want to win and the Lord says, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> put on the armor of God. Pray, trust me, memorize scripture. Let me do the fighting for you. Christ has the ability to defeat the enemy when we don't. There's, there's all kind of opposition, right? We, we, we face opposition with addiction. We face opposition with personal spiritual battles, with, with sin that we're tempted in, whatever it may do. And, and here's the tendency, right? This is the, this is the fear, and this is what Paul's... I want, to, I want you to see what Paul does to kind of counteract this. Here's what happens oftentimes with believers. We, uh, things are going well, all of a sudden we get knocked down for whatever reason. We've all, we've all experienced it. And when we get knocked down, sometimes the tendency is to just kind of find a place to hide and not really get back into the fight, right? It would have been easy for Paul, all this journey, he shows up, this magician is rebuking him for Paul to say, just forget this, man. <laughs> I'm done, I'm going home. Like, I don't need this persecution. I don't need to be here and worry about it. I'm just going to go home, deal with this yourself. I'm done with it. I'm leaving, right? It's very easy for us to, to kind of find this place of, of solitude and fear when we get knocked down instead of getting back up and going right back into the fight and doing exactly what God just called us to do. Right, so I want to see what Paul does here. I want you to notice what's going to happen with Paul. Right? Paul, after he encounters this magician, after he recognizes the enemy's attack, after he rebukes the enemy in the power of the Holy Spirit and the Lord, instead of running back home afraid, concerned that he's going to come in contact with somebody again, he immediately begins to preach. Right, his calling, we showed you that a few minutes ago, I showed you in the scripture, his calling was to preach the word of God. And so he gives this, in, this kind of incredible short synopsis of the history of Israel. And then in verse 23 of Acts 13, let's pull up verse 23. He says, he's talking about King David and Jesse who are Old Testament, but that's the line of Christ. Acts 13, 23, of this man's offspring, God has brought to Israel a savior, Jesus, as he promised. Skip down to verse 28. And though they found in him no guilt worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they had carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree, laid him in the tomb. Acts 13, 30. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days... 
He appeared to those who had come with him from Galilee to Jerusalem who are now his witnesses to the people. Skip down to verse 38. This is important. Here's kind of the meat of it. Let it be known to you therefore, brothers, that through this man's forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, verse 39, and by him everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. Here's the third truth. God's plan for the world is salvation through Jesus Christ. It always has been. It always will be. And when Paul gets knocked down, when he comes in, in this uh, situation, he's encountered by this demonic man, this man who's trying to actively stop the gospel, this magician who's lying. When Paul encounters this opposition, he's faithful the moment it's over to go right back to proclaiming salvation to the world. You know, sometimes we, we play this game with our kids. You know, what are you going to ask God when you get to heaven? It's a fun conversation to have with your kids. You'll be surprised some of the things they want to know. But I've always thought, you know, it's interesting to me, the walk of Christians and, and how difficult the journey can sometimes be. And I would love to know, like when I get to heaven, how many things the Lord had kind of prepared for me in my life, or maybe for you in your life, that we allowed the enemy, for whatever reason, to kind of get us off course and we never fully accomplished what God called us to accomplish. It's an interesting thought in my mind. Because I just feel like God's got this incredible plan for all of us. He wants to do extraordinary things through us. But we come to the, the first hurdle. The enemy attacks. He tries to stop us. And instead of jumping the hurdle and running to the plan that God's got for us, we kind of shriek back. We pull back in fear. And we never quite get to that point again. And God doesn't accomplish what he wants to accomplish in our lives. That's not who Paul was. That's not who Christ has called us to be. You know, if you think about life as kind of this path and, and God's got this path for you, if you'll just let the Lord guide you and direct you, it'll go well. It may not be easy. It may not be simple. There'll be some bumps in the road, but the Lord will guide you and place you where he wants you to be if you trust him. We went to Disney World, I guess, last year, and they've got these, uh, the, the Tomorrowland Speedway, I think they call it. You drive the cars. It's the old antique cars at Six Flags, the Hanson cars. The same idea, right? You've got this car, and you've got this kind of, there's this metal thing in the middle, and two wheels, and a guide. And, and so you can't actually run off the track, you know? And when we do that, we always let our kids drive. It's just fun to watch them, you know? The younger they are, the worse they are at it, and we kind of get a kick out of that. Because they're just, you know, they're just so, like, they're going to actually run off the road and, and have a major accident, and we know they actually can't. So it's funny to watch them and their reaction. But my younger kids, especially when they're first learning how to do this, it's a bumpy ride. I mean, they're just banging against that thing, right? Just bang. And so if you watch this from the air, it'd look like this. This is what we're doing. We're just zigzagging across the way, right? It's not an easy ride. And it's funny, when I ride that thing, I think sometimes about the path the Lord has for us. I mean, it's straight, and it's narrow, and it's smooth. If we'll just trust Him and walk down that path, even though it's sometimes difficult, He'll get us where He wants us to be. But when we fight against that... We don't trust him. We think, I've got my own plan, Lord. I'm going to go. We just bang into the rails. Don't we? we bang back in the rails. We bang back in the rails. We spend a lifetime just being knocked around. We think, why can't the Lord just give me peace? Because you're not really trusting him. You're trying to follow your own path instead of following the path he's laid out for you. So I want to end with this thought this morning. I, I just want to end with this idea. I, I know that a, a lot of people in this congregation are already believers. Praise the Lord for that. But Paul lays out salvation very simply here. It's found in Jesus Christ, right? They killed him, put him in the tomb. God raised him from the dead. If you believe in him, you'll be freed, right? You'll be freed of your sins. 
And so I just want to encourage you right now, just, just wherever you are, if you're a guest with us, if you've been with us for 50 years, if you've never fully given your life to Christ, let this be the morning. Repent of your sins. Trust in Him. Understanding He's got a plan for you. Allowing Him to do great things in your life. And so during the invitation, I'm going to do something. I'm going to ask all of us that are believers, many of us are, if they would pray. And I'm going to do this at Easter, by the way, too. And I hope you're already praying for who you can invite or who the lost person will be in Easter. But I'm going to ask you to pray for the, this, the soul of that person that God would open, the, open up their eyes. And then if, if I'm speaking to you, if the Spirit right now is just speaking to your heart about salvation, you just slip out nice and easy, come down the front, speak to me, I'll be happy to lead you through the process. But God's got a plan for you. He wants to offer you forgiveness and hope and joy. He wants to do extraordinary things in your life. You just have to trust Him. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for the truth of Your Word. Thank You, Father, for reminding us that difficult moments will come, Lord, that there will be opposition, that we're going to encounter people and situations and moments, Lord, where it's not always easy. First of all, help us just to be alert. Help us to be aware. Help us, Father, to know exactly what's going on when the enemy attacks us. And then give us the courage, Lord, and the boldness to fight against that in the power of the Spirit, to trust you more and more. And then, Lord, allow us, once we get knocked down, to get right back up on our feet, to figure out exactly what you've called us to do, to continue to do it, Father. Give us the courage to be who you've called us to be for the sake of your kingdom. Father, if there's somebody here this morning that's never given their life to you, Open up their heart's eyes right now, Father. Just open up their mind. Speak directly to their spirit. May this be the morning, Father, they repent of their sins and accept you as their Lord and Savior. Be with us. Guide us, Father. We'll give you the praise, honor, and the glory for everything that happens. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Stand. The altar is open. Come and pray. Speak to me. This is an opportunity for you to come as we sing together. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.